A Real Cinderella Story, on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and it's my pleasure to come before you each and every week and just share my heart. However, this week, I need to apologize because I'm a day late. There have been times when I've been a few hours late, um, but it's been pretty rare over the course of two and a half seasons of doing this podcast that I've actually been a day late. Uh, But that's what happens when you have sort of this organic style podcast where I inject this just in the middle of my life is that sometimes life just happens and there literally has not been even a moment for me to sit down and uh, share my heart with you this week. And so here I am and I apologize for being a day late, uh, but I'm so grateful that you chose to tune in and to listen. I want to share a story that is near and dear to my heart and and really uh, um, encompasses a little bit about what has been going on with me this week. Um, This podcast is entitled Cinderella Story, and we love the term Cinderella Story. It actually creates kind of this happy connotation. And, uh, And of course, we're in the month of March, and March Madness is happening. For those of you that don't know, that's the NCAA basketball tournament. It's called March Madness, and there's always a Cinderella team, a Cinderella story that tends to uh, come out of nowhere and beat one of the higher seeds and go far in the tournament, and we call them the Cinderellas, the Cinderella team. I looked up the, the definition of a Cinderella story, and it's, it says someone, someone of low status achieving great success. And so we know the story of Cinderella and where she came from and her circumstances that she was in um, to become a princess. And there was a a transformation that took place and and it was really uh, stemming from her heart and the kind of person that she was. Uh, I had the privilege of going down to the Twin Cities yesterday and that was one reason why I was not able to get my podcast put together in time to see my sister Anne, uh, my big sister Anne. Uh, she is a playwright, uh, really, in every sense of the word, and she does this uh, for her school, uh, and she adapts stories um, such as Oliver Twist and and uh, stories that she's, uh, Peter Pan, different things that she has had in the past, and she adapts them into a gospel message. Well, her play uh, this year, which involved hundreds of kids from her school, a very large school in the Twin Cities, um, was about the Cinderella story. And it's uh, the Cinderella story, of course, has so many different layers of beauty attached to it. And my sister was able to draw out the gospel message of the uh, marriage between the church and the bridegroom. And really, the Cinderella story is the fact that we are all in rags, and we are all outcast, and we have all sinned, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. 
And yet through the gospel message, there was a prince um, and a king who came and rescued us. And it was a true Cinderella story. And we have to understand that we are the bride. I know it's sometimes hard for men to sometimes get their mind around that we are the bride of Christ because it's hard for us to relate to sort of that feminine aspect of the story. But the Bible is very, very clear, very clear that we are the bride and he is the bridegroom. And it's a story really of us uh, starting back in the book of Genesis, a story of us walking away from a father's perfect plan. You know, he never rejected us. He never cursed us as we would try to call Genesis chapter three, the curse. He actually just created a culture for us and we turned our back on his perfect plan for us. And because of that, there were consequences and there were severe consequences. We were outcast. We were enslaved in sin, the Bible says. And the law was put into place to simply kick the can down the road. The law was put into place as a postponement of our sin, but it could never satisfy our sin. The law cannot save. I'm actually in the process right now of reading through the Bible in a year, and I've just gotten through uh, Leviticus and Deuteronomy and uh, starting to begin Numbers. And you see and appreciate when you read it word by word that the law is necessary, but almost oppressive. It's almost oppressive to even read it. I hope that's not sacrilegious to say because the law was important and and the Lord provided the law to make atonement, a temporary atonement for the sin until the one perfect sacrifice, the one perfect lamb could come and take care of sin once and for all. But you can't help but read these Old Testament books about the law and not feel grateful (laughs) that we are no longer under the law, that the perfect lamb has come and that we live on the other side of the cross. What a gift. And we need to see it that way all the time. And so there is a true Cinderella story. And my friends, we are it. We are it. Our story begins back in the garden. Our story goes through the wilderness and the escape from Egypt and entering into the promised land. Our story is involved with the kings and the prophets. Uh, The Old Testament is part of our story. And I love in Galatians where it says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And I love that phrase because it feels like it's part of the story, doesn't it? Where the loving father simply couldn't wait any longer to bring his kids back. And he knew the way to rescue Cinderella was to send his prince, to send the one that could go and find her heart, to restore her to her proper place and identity. Her proper place and identity. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. 
It's such a powerful message. My sister did a great job in this play portraying the power of identity, of knowing who we are, the choice that we have to make a decision to to enter into the embrace of the Son and the sacrifice that he made for us. For us to enter into the decision knowing that there is a loving Father that sent him, that cares for us, that never stopped pursuing us. My friends, there is a maybe a difference, maybe even in theology, uh, of what's being taught every Sunday from the pulpit. There are many who teach that the Father has rejected us and, and is angry with us, and, and we are dangling over the fire, and the only thing that's saving us is the, the blood of Jesus from his wrath, that Jesus came to protect us from an angry God whose, whose wrath cannot be quenched But nothing could be further from the truth if you really read the scriptures and lean into the heart of a father. He never stopped pursuing us. The second that we sinned in the garden, he pursued us. And he continued to want to touch us and be with us. And and, and the second that even the woman sinned and, and ate, it said from her seed, the capital S seed, would come the promise, would come the answer, would come the one who would save us once and for all. He put a pan, plan into place immediately because he loves us so much. You know, the Cinderella story um, is actually quite meaningful to me um, on two different levels. So you're going to learn a little bit about me uh, here today. But uh, the first is that I was in the Cinderella play, the musical, uh, when I was a teenager in high school. (laughs) And I remember being somewhat mortified because I was Prince Charming. And I was thinking that they would have me wear sort of a military type outfit. And so I was quite, um, you know, anxious about that. And I thought, well, that will look kind of cool. I'll I'll look um, kind of tough and... And uh, instead, they came out with with basically tights and kind of these bloomers that I had to wear, and uh, and of course I did I had you know a lo- young teenage boy legs, and so the kind of these bird legs with these bloomers and the tights is not what I had in mind, but I had to wear that, um, and 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 sing and be Prince Charming. Um, it was actually quite enjoyable. It was a good play. It was my very first kiss, by the way, because Cinderella and Prince Charming had to kiss. And so I had to kiss this gal who was playing Cinderella. And uh, and the comments I received afterwards is that I kissed her like I would kiss my sister. <laughs> Apparently, it wasn't a very passionate kiss, as my wife is probably happy to hear now. Um, it was definitely more of a clinical uh, type kiss, apparently. Um and so people often chuckled when the kiss scene happened. But I was Prince Charming. I still know the songs. I have I have this weird memory thing for songs. I can remember them all. I can sing them all for you right now. Um, but it was an enjoyable time being Prince Charming. My second story with Cinderella is also quite funny because uh, I, you know, my wife and I actually went through a really important season in our lives where we really connected to the Father's love. Kind of what I just spoke about, about who the Father is and, and his heart that would send his son for us, his, his, his pursuing heart. And we entered into a season of a, of a Father's love, both of us somewhat individually, and of course it transformed our family in a big way because through a father we actually find our identity, our worth, 
and our identity is found in a father. It's not found in our spouse. It's not found through our children. It's not found through our accomplishments. It's not found through fame. It's not found through money. None of those things can actually ever satisfy us. But our identity and our worth is actually found through the heart of a loving father. And so I was going through this season of a father's love. And I, I was raised by wonderful parents who are probably listening right now. Hi, mom and dad. And, uh, and so uh, understanding or embracing a father's love was never hard for me. Um, but I do realize that there are probably many of you who are listening today where that is actually quite a big hurdle. Where Jesus as a savior is somebody that's easily acceptable and understandable. Uh, but a father is more tricky, especially when a father or mother maybe have hurt you in many different ways. So I understand the reality of that, but Jesus came along, he said, to declare a father, to declare him, to declare a father to an orphaned world. And so even being raised in such a solid home and and having every really relational advantage, I felt like I had this orphaned thing in me where I found my worth and identity through my performance, through the things that I did, through the, the ways that I acted, the, the things I checked off my list. I felt like if I did more for him, that he would love me more. And so the father began to break these things off of me. And it was a beautiful, beautiful season of my life. And my wife has a very similar and, and, and very powerful testimony as well. But as he began to break some of those performance things off of me, he began to convince me that he loved me just for me. That all of the things that I do are important, but identity and worth in him isn't about what we do. It's about who we are. And so I was able to find that sweet place with my father. And I was going through this season. And while that was happening, and, and my wife would know the answer to this, but I think it was either her birthday or Mother's Day or something along those lines, the new Cinderella movie, the live action Cinderella movie came out. And this was probably six to seven years ago. And... And it was, we were celebrating something. I think it was Mother's Day. And we decided we we're going to go watch Cinderella. And of course, I maybe literally, certainly in my spirit, was rolling my eyes. Like I could probably think of better things to do for an afternoon than watch Cinderella. But uh, the family was going and and so all the all the men in our family kind of sucked it up and we decided we we're going to go watch Cinderella. And so we sat down in the movie theater and it was a very well done movie and it was engaging and, and, and very sweet and actually had a quite a powerful message of forgiveness. But there was a scene. Um, so even with my arms crossed and my eyes rolling, there was a scene and I was on the very end of the row, my family all down to the side of me, probably eight of us there. And the scene came on with Prince Charming and his dad. Now remember, I'm going through this season, this love season but where the father was speaking to me as a son and it was precious. And there was this moment in the movie where the king is on his deathbed and, and his son in full military regalia, they figured it out. He didn't have to wear tights or bloomers. Apparently uh, he was lying next to him on the bed and they were talking about love. I'm getting a little choked up now. I can't believe it. And they're talking about, um, you know, they obviously part of the plot line of Cinderella is that the king initially wanted him to marry just for position, that it would be good for the kingdom for him to marry a woman of stature, as it were. But instead, he was lying there and, and the father convinces him to marry for love. 
and the sun is leaning. Here I go. <laughs> the sun is leaning on his every word and connecting to his father. And the, the camera pans back and the father's on his deathbed. And this, this big strapping young Prince Charming is, is kind of nestled on his, on his shoulder. And as the camera pulls back, you see that he's sort of snuggled into his father and he's in this fetal position. And it's just this place of intimacy between a father and a son. And as is happening right now, in the middle of this movie, I completely lose it. I just begin to absolutely sob. <laughs> and, and even after I've kind of protested about going to this movie at all, I am at the end of the row in the theater sobbing. And if you could have the camera rolling on our family... Every head down the row turned and looked at me to, to find to figure out what that noise was. But I was absolutely sobbing at the end of the row because it was such a beautiful expression of a son honoring his father and in, in their royalty, in their identity, in their position. And, and I, I felt like that was the season I was in. But it was absolutely hilarious, and I've never lived it down because um, I absolutely lost it in the movie <laughs> Cinderella. <laughs> so the story means a lot to me, and when my sister redid this story in this play, it really connected to me again because it is such a powerful message. And I think it's important that we understand and we talk about culture in which we live right now. We have to understand that we are his bride. And what he is looking for, the Bible says, is a bride without spot or wrinkle, pure and powerful. Sometimes, again, theologically, we think that we are a tattered bride, that our gown is torn, we're dirty like Cinderella, and we're limping down the aisle, and we are just waiting for Jesus to come back again to rescue us. But my friends, this is super important. Jesus is not coming again as a Savior. He has already done that. He is coming as a bridegroom. And it says in the book of Revelation that he's coming with fire in his eyes, with passion for us, that he's coming to, to embrace his bride without spot and without wrinkle. And I can't tell you, honestly, how many times I've heard, and it's actually, if I can be so bold, to concern to me about people seeing the situation of our world right now and saying, well, clearly this means that Jesus is coming back. And that things are so bad that he is going to need to come back to rescue us, to save us from the evil that is on this earth. When we have a pandemic like COVID, it actually, it actually brings us to our own mortality, doesn't it? It makes us think about this world. When we see what's happening in, in Russia, when we see natural disasters, when we see the economy hurting, when we see these things that are happening in this world, the way that people are treating each other, the way there's conflict in, in the races, all the things that I've been talking about in this podcast. We, we tend to throw up our hands sometimes and say, Jesus, you're you're the answer. Please come back. Come back and rescue us. 
But my friends, that we need to understand that we are his bride without spot, without wrinkle, that we are pure and that we are, we are powerful. And that's what he is looking for. That is what's going to trigger his return, not the evil on this earth. <laughs> He is looking for us to step into our rightful place as the bride of Christ here on this earth to impact and make a difference and overcome the evil that's here on this earth. He has fire in his eyes for us. He is empowering us. Jesus is going to return again. That I am certain. And that, the Bible says, is our blessed hope. But when is he coming? My friends, every generation has seen the evil on the earth and and feels like that's the time that Jesus should come back because we have an Old Testament mindset, a Savior mindset. People in the Old Testament said, how long, Lord, do we need to suffer until you actually send your Messiah? Well, my friends, the Messiah has come. He has come in his power and he has come in his kingdom and and his kingdom rules and reigns here on this earth. Jesus is on his throne and we are seated in heavenly places in him, it says in Ephesians. That is our current situation. (laughs) He is going to come and take his bride, but we are not to know the time. I just read this in the Gospels as as I've been reading through my Bible, that Jesus said he didn't even know, only the Father knows. And I believe that's the point. That's the point. He tells us he's coming back because that is our blessed hope. We need to know that. We don't really need to know when he's coming other than to be prepared to be pure, to be powerful, to be without spot or wrinkle. That is our role. That is our responsibility. I believe it's the beauty of the bride that will trigger him coming back again. It's a different way of looking at it, but I believe it's the biblical way of looking at who he is and what he is coming back to do. He's coming back to take his throne here on this earth. I believe that he has shrouded his return somewhat in mystery. You know, there was a season in my life as a young man that I really leaned into the book of Revelation and tried to figure out, you know, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, all these different ways of thinking about it. The more I researched, the more confused I became until I realized that that's the point. He doesn't want us focused on uh, uh, us being in a fetal position and just waiting for Jesus to come back and save us. He doesn't want that because that's what's going to happen if we would know the time or the place. He wants us focused on why we are here as his bride. So this is a real opportunity when crisis comes up, when Russia attacks Ukraine, when we are inflicted with a worldwide pandemic, this is the time for his people to rise up, not to cower and look for his second coming. It's time for us to stand up and take our place. That is why we're here. That is what we are empowered to do. And I'm asking you to join me in that. That's some of the heartbeat of this podcast is that we can be prepared. We know how to talk about it. We know how to engage culture. We can be the the church that rises up and becomes the difference here on this earth. I believe we can do better. I believe that we can push back. And that's what has empowered me to do this podcast. I'm so grateful that you listen each and every week. Please tell your friends about it. Spread the word so that we can begin to have a conversation as the body, as the bride 
so that we can go and change the world. That's what I believe. Pushbackculture.org. Pushbackculture.org. Please connect with me there. Share your heart about this topic or other topics that I have shared over the past several weeks or years. I'm happy to engage and to answer your questions as well. Is there a topic that you wish that I would be talking about? Go to pushbackculture.org. Leave your suggestions. I would be happy to look into those. Even medical things or cultural things or whatever the topic may be, I'm happy to do that. That's what I'm here for because I want to empower the bride. We are the Cinderella story. It's a Cinderella story. And we need to know who we are as royalty. So with that empowering us, let's go together now to set and shape the culture. Mm -hmm.